most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Do you want to tell everybody what MJ said as we put him to bed tonight? Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So I'm putting him to bed and and uh, he's sleeping in our bed right now because he said he heard a loud noise upstairs. So every once in a while he'll fall asleep in our bed. Then Alan carries him up and puts him in his. And uh, so he says, Mommy, what do you and Daddy do in this bed? And I was like, uh, we sleep. He's like, what else do you do? Because sometimes it sounds like Daddy is working and you're resting. <laughs> I was like, what? That's got to be the strangest <laughs> word of knowledge a child could have. Well, let's get this podcast done so I can do some work and you can rest. <laughs> Thanks, darling. I've been away all weekend. You so have. You've been holding four with three children on your own. I have, yep. How was it? It was good. It was good. They were they were awesome. They, it looked like really you had awesome. snow while I was away. We did for not very long. Right. So it snowed in the morning, and but we had already made plans to take the kids to this jumping place. And uh, and then when we came out, the snow was melting, and MJ was not happy with me because he apparently thinks I control the snow. Oh, poor yeah. chicken. Yeah. Well, I was away this weekend in St. Louis all weekend for a men's retreat with the men of Southgate Church. Thank you, gentlemen, for your hospitality and your warm welcome. I took a bunch of our guys from the school with us who they just absolutely killed it. My One of my highlights, babe, on the way home is I stopped at a restaurant called Lambert's. Okay. Now, if you've never been to Lambert's, the only way I can describe it is if if Cracker Barrel got drunk and hooked up with a state fair and they had a baby. <laughs> this is what Lambert's looks like. Right? It, you know, so John Reed is like, oh, we should tell you about Lambert's for lunch. And I'm like, sure. And so we pull in and I'm like, good Lord, what have you brought me to? And uh, it was packed. And so I, my hopes are not high. It really looks like what Cracker Barrel might have been modeled after. And so we sit down and... All of a sudden, there's a guy shouting, hot rolls! And I notice hands go up all over this room. I mean, the room's massive. The restaurant seats 500 people. And this server starts hurling bread rolls at you, people. You're kidding! <laughs> no. This Did, is, do people get hit in the head or oh, anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's surreal. Oh, no. So you just put up your hand, uh, and huh? the guy's awesome. He just throws it at your hand. and you know. You, is that like his only job? That's his only job. Wanders around hot rolls and then just throws them. Oh and my you, gosh. You catch them. Now, that was endless fun and the rolls were delicious. <laughs> they were absolutely, apparently I didn't have any of course. Uh, uh-huh. I, I Confession is good for the soul. But then I ordered food. I, we all ordered food and the food was fantastic. I was utterly repentant. I thought, oh my gosh, I'd come back here in a heartbeat. Okay, so experience. next time I go, I want to go to Lambert's. You want to go to Lambert's and you want to be prepared for people throwing things at you. Okay. Quite the experience. Okay. I had a great time. Uh-huh. All right, recap the week. Wait, did I miss anything while I was away? No, everything's fine. There was snow. Everything's fine. There was snow. We had lots of fun. We watched our family movie, which we watched Sing. Is it good? It's cute. All right, I'll it's rewatch cute. it with the girls. Yeah. And uh, and that's about it. We just had lots of fun time. So they they did great. Of course, none of nobody enjoyed this bringing forward this morning. No, well, I'm not surprised. That that yeah. was not a fun experience for anybody. Our son particularly needs his 12 hours. Yeah, I was not happy with that. So he this morning came halfway down the stairs and then announced, "I can't do it anymore." And I think he meant the stairs. And so I went and grabbed him. Oh, poor and chicken! I, I brought him down, and he's like, "Mummy, I feel so emotional." That was his and words. Then, yeah. 
And then oh my gosh. I said, buddy, can I put you down at the table? Cause then I can get you some pancakes. And I, so I put him down at the table and he rested his head on the table until the pancakes got there. It was very sad. He is his father's son. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Highly emotional need food. Yeah. Uh, this week, we had a great week. David Wagner was with us at the school at Emony at Gray Center. D-Wags. D-Wags in the house. If you haven't heard of David Wagner, you probably want to stop what you're doing right now and go download the David Wagner episode. It's episode 86. You can find that at alanandaj.com slash 86. You need to hear this guy's testimonies. Unbelievable. David's a good friend of ours, a prophet, and you're always in for some amazing stories. So he was in ministering to our first year students. He was in ministering at Grace Center. I'll put a link in the show notes to the the two services at Grace Center. And he was ministering at m really powerfully. So it was just great to see him, wasn't it? So cool. Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, All our students left an outreach. Yeah. Where are they? They are in Iceland, South Africa, Romania, Georgia, and Nashville. Oh, uh, Guys, I want you to know that every morning we wake up and we pray for you. And we're following all your adventures on Instagram. If you want to follow along with them, look in the show notes. I'll put a link to the uh, hashtags to follow them on uh, Instagram. And there's also a school blog. Oh, yeah. There's a school blog, too, yeah. where you can see uh, curated things. If you want the kind of real time as it's happening, follow them all on Instagram. But super proud of you, students, wherever you are in the world, ministering, representing Grace Center. We love you. I actually met two people this morning from... Lexington, Kentucky, that oh. came to visit Grace Center, and they came up to say hi because they listened to our podcast. Well, while I was away on the weekend, I met one of, one of the guys. I bumped into a lot of people this weekend who said, oh, we listen to your podcast, which is always fun to hear. But one of them said, oh, yeah, we made a trip down to Franklin to visit all the restaurants that you talked about. <gasps> You're kidding. That's so funny. I really do need to put a visit Franklin page on our site so that yeah. people don't have to hunt through. Um, yeah, when we get some free time, we'll do that. Yeah, that'll be in like when? Oh, I think July. Yeah, sure. Also, babe, this morning while you were not there, we uh, welcomed Ramey Whalen, who's our new children's pastor. Come on, Ramey. Welcome to Grace Center. Woohoo! So Ramey and Brian and their three kids moved here on Wednesday and um, they're getting settled and yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, we're so excited for these guys to be here and to spearhead our new children's ministry. We're super excited about that. Yeah. All right. Our main topic for this week. Yes. It's- Somewhat depressing, but it I'm, is. I'm going to try it's and put a sad topic. Well, I'm going to try and put a positive spin on it. You know, I'm Mr. Okay. Positivity. <laughs> I wonder if there's a better word than backsliding. Backsliding is such good Christianese, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Uh, Falling away. Reversing out of relationship with the Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we need to start a new competition on a better word than backsliding. But okay. this this weekend, I thought it was funny. Somebody asked me over lunch or dinner. They said, "Hey, is pastoring hard?" And I I kind of chuckled because that really the pace of pastoring and the preparation, the planning, the preaching, you know, all that sort of stuff, that's fairly easy. Yeah. That's not difficult at all. It does get tiring in seasons for sure, but I think any job you go through busy seasons, you right. know, you've got to get stuff done, so that's right. not a problem. But when it comes to things being hard, I think easily the hardest thing that I've experienced is watching people I love fall away from loving Jesus. Oh, by far. That is harder than doing funerals. Harder than saying goodbye to loved ones. Yep. Watching people that we've been in relationship with um, say they no longer want to follow Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's super sad. So we thought we'd share the sadness on this uh, podcast episode. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, well, the thing is, I started thinking about it, and backsliding, it, it kind of comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, there's a continuum, mm-hmm. isn't there? In the same way, there's a continuum of, of being in love with Jesus. And I think there's varying degrees of it, but throughout my life, I've watched people who at one point have been absolutely devoted to Jesus. And then I've watched them make decisions that prioritize other things in Jesus. And inevitably, unless there's interjection, unless that course gets corrected, their love for Jesus ends up growing cold. And they end up in various places, you know, either disinterest or worse, absolutely denying Jesus. And I I have such a hard time with that. And I realize I'm going to have such a hard time articulating this because it's something I've never experienced. And I'm trying to be sensitive to the whole issue because not that I think any backslider is going to be listening to a Christian podcast it, like it's this. It's unlikely, yeah. But if they are, I don't want them to feel my... I don't want them to feel anything negative for me. I'm just at a loss for how it happened. So do you have any thoughts on any of this stuff? Well, I, I think to... Um, the other thing that makes me sad that sort of is in that continuum is right. the whole thing of, you know, the people that would say, oh no, my relationship with Jesus is fine. But uh, when you, if you were to look at their Instagram feed or their Facebook post, it's mostly about drinking or partying or, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, well, okay, but probably, What's your definition of fine? Well, yeah. And, um, you know, Maybe you need to return to what it was before, you know, like it just, it makes me so sad because I'm like, if that's what you're willing to post, what else is happening that you're not posting? Right. You know what I mean? Like, and, and if you think that's fine, then actually you're not going to be teachable when the Lord's trying to get your attention. Right. And I, you know, I think we've told stories in the past of, of people that we've been in relationship with when we've gone to talk to them about, Hey, their life choices. And, you know, I remember one person saying, no, I'm me and Jesus are totally fine. And I'm like, by by whose standards? Right. I remember David Campbell, our you know, our friend saying he was confronting a friend once who who was making some really grave mistakes. Yes. And this is what this friend said. This friend was just like, No, David, you know, I'm I'm good, you know, I'm fine. And and David said, Well, by whose by whose definition? Because the reason that we have the Bible is brilliant. God wrote down how he feels about being fine. So we don't actually have to go by our feelings. We can actually go by what's written in the Word of God. Right. And so the Word of God is there when we feel like it's right, and the Word of God is there when we feel like it's wrong. So we have this like concrete benchmark. Right. And based on these passages, you're not fine. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's genius. But I think part of the problem is I remember when I was in high school, I remember my, my senior year of high school, I had a really good friend, went to a different high school. And I remember one day we'd been out skateboarding together and we were driving home and he looked at me and he just said, isn't being a Christian amazing? I said, it, it is. And he said, man, if I, if I ever fall away from Jesus... Would you please slap me? Now, the thing is, you know, we went to different universities and we kept in touch. But I remember a couple of years later intersecting with him and and his love for Jesus had gone absolutely cold. You know, he had no relationship with Jesus by his own admission, hadn't been going to church. And I was thinking, I don't even recognize you as the same person to have that conversation with. It's like I went looking for the friend who asked me to slap him and I didn't find him. Right. And that's... That that's what's weird in, in the times that I've sat down with, with friends who have left their faith, who've backslid, 
in again in varying degrees of d- digression away from uh, Christianity, I don't recognize them. It's like it's a different person, and and with a different set of memories. Because when I start talking about the things before, they don't remember the things the way I remember them. Right. And I'm like, dude, it was like a year ago. Like I I remember it really really clearly. Right. And then deception comes in and it becomes really hard to kind of break through that shell. That's if they'll even take my calls. Right. I've got some people that I've, you know, when I reach out to won't want to hear from me and that makes me sad. And, but I also understand that I probably represent, well, here's the thing I'm left guessing. Right. I'm guessing that I represent everything they don't want to know about, but I, I don't know. Right. So one of the things I was thinking of is if by chance, you happen to be listening to this and you would feel that you're in the category of backsliding and you feel like I could benefit from your perspective. I would love to hear from you. If you can reach out to me via Twitter or via email, you know, anything like that, I, I would love to hear from you. Not, be- I'm not going to try and fight you or argue with you. I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated how somebody goes from an intimate relationship with Jesus to... Again, varying degrees of disconnect. Right. To some people denying him. Paul says, you know, they deny him by the way they live their lives. Right. And that's that's a tricky bit because I do know, you know, many people who would say, well, I'm, I still believe in him. I'm not denying him. But the way that they're choosing to make decisions, the way they're choosing to live w- would say something different. And that's what's sad. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, that can't be life for you. Right. And I think absolutely as, as pastors, it is the hardest thing yeah. of, of watching that. And I want to be sensitive to the process and the journey that people are on yeah. because I want to help people in the process. So what do you think are some of the roots then of of the departure? Like, It's a great question, babe. I, I don't know. I really don't know. And, and there probably aren't, there probably isn't a specific route. There, there, I would guess just from the the conversations I have had with some people yeah. or the conversations I've had with people who were away from the Lord and came back to him yeah. and I've you know been asking and you know journeying with them the reason I'm passionate about this topic babe is I feel like I'm called to reach Christians for Christ right. I, I remember hearing Graham Cook say that he said you know he doesn't feel like he's an evangelist necessarily he feels like he's called to reach Christians for Christ and I'm like that's what I feel like I feel like I want to reach and encourage Christians at all stages of their walk. Right. And so, but back to your question, I, (sighs) see, the thing is, here's my, here's some things off the top of my head, but the difficulty is when I've tried to broach these topics with people who are talking to me, fallen away, they don't like me bringing up these topics because it feels like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think we might be on the money with it and that's why it feels owie to them, but who knows again. Well, what if we look at it from a perspective of if you notice your heart going to any of these things, just sort of beware because it might actually lead towards, um, you know, turning away from the Lord, which wouldn't be anybody's intention. Right. Oh, that's good. Okay. One of the chief things I've noticed in conversations I've had with people is a whole issue of offense. Yeah. That it's very easy for our hearts to get offended either at people or churches. I mean, all you need to do is browse through some Facebook pages and you see people uh, offended at church, offended at church leaders, offended at Christians, offended mm-hmm. at people. Mm-hmm. And I I remember Jeff teaching that amazing message, not being offended at God. Remember Jesus said, blessed is the person who's not offended at me. Yeah. And 
That's a big thing. Sure. A fence will rob you. It will totally rob you. And then it makes you think you're right. Right. But also a fence. I mean, a fence is real. Probably maybe a fence and hurt are the same thing. But I've also seen people hurt, disappointed, let down, genuinely hurt. And, you know, maybe we could put offended in that category. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think they're a little different. Like, I don't think I've ever had the Lord say, you can choose whether you're going to be hurt or not. But I have had him say, hey, you get to choose right now if you're going to pick a fence. Hurt feels like something that's maybe a little bit more personal. Um, You know, like, I don't know, a little bit more direct or something. Well, offenses are always taken, never given. Right. Hurt can happen on an involuntary basis. Offense is a voluntary basis. As in, I'm choosing to be offended. Yes, yes. And yes, while I, I can choose thing. to be hurt, right. I can be hurt without, you know, I can just be an innocent bystander and be hurt. Yes. Yeah. And I think that always makes me sad. Like if, if for whatever reason, we don't have the, either the tools or the track record of knowing what to do with hurt and how to navigate that and how to forgive and stuff like that, then it has a landing strip and it just builds a house. Well, think about the times that we've had healthy confrontation where maybe people we've been leading or people we've been pastoring have come and told us, hey, I've been hurt by these things that you've said. Right. And it's so wonderful when they do that because you're like, oh my oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Right. Like that would have never, ever been my intent. And we get to walk through, how did we end up causing you pain? Yeah. And we get a dialogue with it. Was it insensitivity on our behalf? Was it um, pre-existing wounds in your own heart that got re-triggered? Was it a bit of both? But it's fascinating having these conversations with people and realizing, oh my gosh, this must be happening all the time. Right. But again, without proper tools, I see a lot of times people just recoiling, obviously, because they don't want to be continually subjected to pain. Yeah. I also think what's great about those conversations is it means we all get to grow. Right. Right. Like we get to grow because somebody's given us new information on how they're experiencing us. So we get to process that, talk to the Lord about that, ask him to help us with that, that kind of stuff. And whoever's actually bringing us that information, they get to grow too, because they've just risked it. Right. And, you know, so uh, I actually really like those conversations, even if they're hard, because at the end, it's like, oh, we actually, we can invite the Holy Spirit in to help us fix this. Well, here's the thing. Most of us are myself and I presume yourself included. We are very typically unaware of how we're being experienced. Sure. Yeah. Like at lunch today, me and the boys were, we were commenting on uh, things we noticed about one another and we all had a good giggle because we didn't know we did them. Like, oh. I had no idea I do that. And everyone was like, yeah, you totally do that. What so, did they notice about you? Apparently I have a, I have a, oh, noise when I'm showing sympathy. You do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that I did that. Really? Yeah. One of our other team, we, we pointed out that when they're inquiring of something, they pitch shift their, their vocal up an octave and they sound way more Southern. And they were like, I do not do that. And the rest of us were just going, oh, you, you totally do that. So, <laughs> I mean, those are humorous examples, but right. I've had I've had our students come and, and be very brave and just say, hey, you need to know that last week's interchange, this is how my heart felt when that happened. Right. And it's so amazing to be able to go, oh, I am so proud of you for being so brave. Right. And I am so sorry. That was not the intent of my heart at all. And I'm going to... I'm going to absolutely try and modify my behavior to preserve our connection. And I'm, I'm really sorry for the things I've done. And it's useful feedback for me. You right. go, oh, that joke I just made, you don't find that funny. Right. Oh, I didn't realize 
that 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 was offending you, I can absolutely you know change my behavior. But if we don't have that experience, or if we're in churches with unhealed leaders, I can see how people are ending up being hurt. Sure. But I can't think that the solution that Jesus had in mind was to disengage from the body. Right. Here's a big owie. Okay, I'm ready. One of the things I've noticed, because, well, let me backtrack for a second. Because falling away is a deception, Mm -hmm. right? You're moving away from truth. By very definition, it's deception. One of the big open doors to being deceived is a refusal to submit to God's word. Sure. Become super fashionable yep. to move away from the word of God as an authority in our lives. Yeah. And so when that happens, we end up following God on our terms, not his. Right. And we begin prioritizing what's important to us over what's important to God. Right. What was the thing that David Campbell said last week or two weeks ago? Oh, he had this brilliant line. He said, if you don't believe the parts of the Bible that you don't like, but you do believe the parts of the Bible that you do like, you don't believe the Bible, you believe yourself. Right. And that's honestly where I see a lot of people. Like, yeah. I remember speaking to a friend, she was a new believer, and she told me this in retrospect, but she's, you know, I was a new believer, and everything was going really well so far as a Christian. But I knew that, as a new believer, I knew that Christians quote-unquote, had a perspective on gay and lesbian lifestyles. Right. And she said, I knew this because I've heard about it in the media, I've seen it on Twitter, and and she said, I was smart enough to realize there isn't one view, and I realized that what I've been hearing is a spectrum of people's views, but I knew right. that you had a view, and I was interested to hear your teaching, and there was a sadness in her heart, like, oh, how is my heart going to navigate this if you have a view that doesn't sound like, you know, a Christ-like view of this. Right. And it's not that she was saying she was going to disconnect or unplug, but I have seen some people disconnect or unplug. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, well, if, if that's God's view of homosexuals, then I don't want anything to do with it. And my point isn't so much about homosexuality and God's view on that. My point is we have a standard and a view that's really important to us. Right. And if we find that uh, our churches or our peers or or God himself doesn't hold to our standards, somewhere along the line we forget that that we are the clay and he is the potter right. and we yield to him. Right. And so I've seen that happen time and time again. Like the classic example that I've used before is the guy that I confronted a number of years ago because he'd moved in with his girlfriend. Right. And I, you know, I went to him and just said, hey, I heard a rumor that you guys have moved in together. Is that true? I, you know, I don't do gossip. I just thought I'd come straight to you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's true. I said, well, you know what my conversation is going to be next. Like, what are you thinking? You guys are both committed Christians. This is a, this is a terrible witness. It's not wise. Are you guys sleeping together? Well, yeah. Okay. So now there's sin involved. Like you're not honoring God. Like nothing good is going to come from this relationship unless you repent. And so we had a bunch of conversations and, you know, a bunch of meetings. And But after several meetings, I I went through the Bible with him. You remember the four of us sat down? I do. And at one point he just said to me, well, look, here's the thing. If Jesus Christ himself showed up, Alan, and told me that what I was doing was wrong, I wouldn't believe him. And I was like, oh, so the issue isn't, you're in sexual immorality. The issue is that you're not saved. 
And he's like, you, you, can't, you can't question my salvation. I was like, sure I can. You just said that you wouldn't submit to the man that you claim to follow. Right. Like, how can you be a follower of Christ if you're going to refuse to follow him? Now, that's an extreme example, but I've noticed that usually there's a breaking point for Christians. And, and it, I, it's such a dangerous position when we exalt our own thinking over the word of God. Now, I am leaving huge amounts of room for people to explore different views of of scriptural interpretation and biblical exegesis. I'm I'm leaving huge amounts of room for that. But I'm saying if at some point we begin to have more trust in our uh, ability to discern what God means than God has an ability to communicate what he means, that's the beginning of major deception. Right. And there is plenty of places where there's actually no gray area in scripture for, you know, to, to say, well, I interpret it this way. Well, that requires a rewriting, not interpretation. Right. Babe, what about the parable of the sower? Like in thinking about reasons that people fall away, right? I'm just thinking you have immaturity, you know, people that are saved with joy, but they have no root. Like there's no discipleship. There's no maturity. Um, so when persecution comes or trouble comes, they they fall away. Right. That that is a an amazing parable because basically Jesus is saying when it comes to Christianity, one in four people make it. Isn't that shocking? Oh, it's shocking. It's heartbreaking. It's totally heartbreaking. So in this case, he's saying there's people who get saved with joy. They receive the message at first. They're like, yeah, Christianity, I love Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus is my BFF. You know, and, and for a season, their Instagram posts and their Facebook posts are all about just God and, and majesty and amazing, but they never get discipleship. They never get connected to a church. They never grow. There's never any mentoring. There's never any maturity. And then as Jesus said, when, when persecution or when trouble comes, right. they fall away. Right. Which is not the look we're going for this season, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, it's so not in. <laughs> what were the other things that, uh, that he said that the seed was on on thorny ground? Yeah. Where the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth would grow up. Yeah. Um, so what would you put that under? Wrong, wrong focus. Yeah. So we're, we're going along and we love Jesus, but then another focus takes priority whether that's our family or our career or money or... Boyfriend, girlfriend, right. whatever. Yeah. And that's basically idolatry. We allow something to give us more comfort than God. Yeah. The trouble is a lot of this stuff starts not necessarily with bad things. Like, it's not wrong to have questions about things you misunderstand in Scripture. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. It's not wrong to desire relationships or, 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 you know, things or, you know, any of those things. None of that's wrong but if it becomes our focus, if it becomes in place of Jesus, then we've got a problem. Yeah. And I think it's, I think partially some, something that concerns me recently or, or some messages that I've heard recently are things like, you know, basically Jesus just wants you to have whatever it is that you want to have and he wants you to be happy. And so just right. go after whatever it is that you want and that's what he wants you to have. And I think that's super dangerous. Right. Um, because again, it takes, then you're not focused on Jesus at all. Right. I, again, don't know if this is true. Okay. But it's my observation that when people are either offended or hurt or immature or, you know, when they've began to fall away, what happens is they tend to isolate themselves. Yeah. And I've noticed that they usually start feeding themselves food from other people in the same camp. 
Right. So if they're disgruntled, they'll eat disgruntled podcasts and, you know, hang with disgruntled people who, yeah. And I get that because there is comfort in knowing you're not the only person going through that. Right. But again, if those things are at the expense of, like later in scripture, it talks about pure spiritual milk, then you're going to end up again. It's like that whole thing of birds of a feather flock together. We, we, if we're not careful, we end up finding resources to solidify our root cause, which is wounding or offense or whatever. Right. And before we know it, we're, we're justifying our frustration at God. Right. It's just super sad. Well, yeah. I'm not even sure if I'm right in that assessment. That's my observation from the outside. And, and like I said, I'm trying to get a better understanding of that. And again, if you're listening to this and you've experienced what we're talking about, I would love to dialogue with you about that. I really would. If you go to alanaj.com uh, slash feedback, you can leave us feedback. You can send it anonymously if you want. I would just love to hear from people's experiences because my goal is to seek first to understand and then be understood. You know, recognize I'm on the outside looking in and I'm just trying to observe behavior that I'm witnessing. And so, you know, forgive me if if I'm missing something, if I'm wrong on here. Okay, babe, why don't we shift gears? Okay. And instead of um, talking about backsliding, why don't we talk about how do you sort of backslide proof your life? How do you make sure you don't head in that direction? All right. Well... I was, I was I was reading, I don't know why I ended up, actually I was teaching this this morning, I was teaching something in First Peter, I wasn't teaching about backsliding, but I was teaching from a verse in First Peter, and I was, started reading it, and I knew that we were going to be talking about backsliding tonight, so I read a little bit more on the journey home this afternoon, and I've got a couple of verses, they're found in First Peter. Okay. Are you ready for them? I am. All right. Uh, so I'm going to read from First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 verses 13 to 15, and 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 to 3. I'll put all the references in the show notes. Okay, okay. and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Okay. He says, All praise to God. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. There's a a ton in there. Yeah, there is. What did he say? Don't slip back into your old ways of living? That's a nice phrase. Yeah. Anyway. I I don't think we can make that work like just across the board. We'll start calling it slipping back. Or backslipping. Backslipping. Or slip backing. (laughs) A couple of things. I'll throw this out for free. Whenever you're reading the New Testament and you see verbs, highlight them in your Bible because they're usually instructions of things to do or not do. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know. So I've highlighted some of them. I've got six things that we can do to prevent us from backsliding. You ready? Yeah, hit me. Well, he says a couple of times, well, he starts by saying all praise to God. And then he says, look forward to salvation. And 
and those things is that's basically cultivating worship in your life. It's so important to keep the main thing the main thing. Right. So when we have a priority of worship of Jesus, everything else, our questions, our frustrations, our wounding becomes less important. Right. It's subject to, isn't it? Absolutely. You yeah. keep Jesus. And I think that gives us the proper perspective. Sure. Because the danger is when we're hurt or we're wounded, we dethrone Jesus and make our pain the most important thing. Right. You don't want pain leading you in life. Right. You want Jesus the King King. So that's the first thing, worship. Number two, he says, because you're saved, think clearly. One of the reasons I see people slip away is that often people are getting carried away by strange doctrine. Yeah. So all the time, like, you know, I'll often have people say, hey, you know, have you read this book or have you watched this YouTube clip? And I like, I watch a bit or read a bit and I'm just like, no, you don't want to be watching that or reading like, like right. these people are confused at best, deceived at worst. Right. And, and I get it. Like, I get it. If you've grown up in the church, there's a temptation that we can know more than we're living and then boredom settles in. What right. Is it, what does it, Bill says? If you're bored, you might want to check the distance between you and the master. Right. If your Christian experience has been reduced to an intellectual hobby, you are going to get bored and you're going to go looking for teaching that's going to tickle your ears, as it says in Scripture. And you're going to spend time with empty philosophy and you're no longer going to be able to think clearly. Your thinking will be muddied. Right. Are you ready for number three? Yes. All right, number three, exercise self-control. Now, we think self-control is doing sit-ups and that seven-minute workout app that we downloaded we and tried twice oh, okay, and then mind. never did again. Because <laughs> we're like, this is so hard. <laughs> How is plank and exercise? It's not. But it's definitely not. It's, it's resting in a very horrible position. There's no rest. <laughs> It'll be a next waterboard yourself. <laughs> True. So the Greek words used in that phrase can literally be translated, and in some versions, like the NSB or the NIV, literally means be sober. Right. Here's the craziest thing. I can't believe I'm actually going to say this sentence next. Okay, now I'm worried. But a big door to deception is drunkenness and yeah. getting high. Yeah. Now, why on earth would Christians be getting drunk and getting high? Well, I, I mean, sometimes I think it's probably because they've probably listened to somebody with faulty theology that's like, well, if that's what you like, you know, God likes what you like, that kind of stuff. Right. And yeah, so you listen to bad teaching or you're hanging around people who are not doing well either and you're right. making foolish decisions. Together. And <laughs> then, you know, or if you've wrestled with abuse of alcohol or drugs in your past, of course, it's going to be an area you're going to be tempted in. But right. watching people be unable to manage what they drink or or watching people who think it's okay to smoke weed as Christians is like watching somebody trip at the top of the stairs. You know what's going to happen next. They're yeah. just going to fall all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Like you are literally opening yourself up to demonic oppression yeah. If you're not sober, you're yeah. outsourcing your consciousness to demonic spirits. Yeah. Thought, Super dangerous. I thought we were turning around this oh, to yeah. a cheerier yeah, yeah. thing. Let's, let's, let's turn it around. <laughs> What's number four? All right. Number four. Yeah. He writes, don't slip back into your old ways of living. Well, that, that just covers a multitude of behaviors, doesn't it? Sure it does. Absolutely. It's anything that would have previously robbed life from you that you were saved from. Right. Yeah. And here's the great thing about New Testament living is we don't need to provide you with a list of things you can and can't do. Right. That's what the Holy Spirit's The, the Holy Spirit is so good at leading you into all truth. Yeah. So you, you walk with the Holy Spirit. You know one of the biggest areas I slip back into? 
Why? The big temptation for me yeah. is debate. Sure. Like, because my upbringing was one of, oh, I can out-argue you. I will out, I will absolutely take you to the man, I'll argue you. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I grew up in. That's That was the culture I grew up in. Oh, you want to go toe-to-toe theology? Here we go. Right. So when I'm on Facebook, like, oh my, I just, I just have to turn it off because I'll see conversation. They're not conversations. I'll yeah. see flame war starting and I'm thinking, oh, I could be the sheriff. I could just jump in and clean up this town. But nobody's on there because they want to learn something. They're on there because they want to vent. Right. Right. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And I think so far, I think that my history has spoken for myself and that I haven't engaged in any of those conversations. Yeah. But it's like a red, it's like a red flag to a bull. I just have to watch myself. Oh, same, babe. I've had to unfollow people. Like, just because typically the kind of stuff that they post, I know that they don't actually want truth. They just want to, you know, say stuff. And, and I'm just like, oh gosh, like I... I'm going to have a hard time not commenting or trying to straighten it out when I know you don't want to be straightened out. Well, here's what I've learned is we actually have a platform that we can straighten things out. Like we can talk about it on our podcast and people, if they are interested, can listen to it. And, but I'm not going to hijack somebody else's thread and get into a fight with random strangers. Yeah, there's no point. Sometimes, you know, if I promise myself I'm going to be good, uh, just and this is mean. I I ju- I just kind of view what's happening. Like somebody I know will post something, and it's not bad, you know. But I'm thinking, right. oh, okay, oh, good luck with that. Wait for the storm. Let's get some popcorn. One. And then people that this person doesn't even know, but it's a cousin of somebody else who does know, right. jumps in, and and you're just like, oh my gosh, did you really write that out loud? Right. Like, and Name then, calling and oh. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And it just, you know, and what's crazy is these people are Christians. Yeah. Which leads me to number five. Be holy and get rid of all evil behavior. So he goes on and says, be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. All unkind speech covers a lot. Imagine if you had an all unkind speech filter on Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) That'd make Facebook so much better. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, and then last thing, number six, it says, crave and cry out for pure spiritual milk. Look at the language that's being used there. Yeah. It's as far from passive as you could possibly get. Right. It's like pursue with all energy. Like there's a hunger there for a full salvation experience. Yeah. I'm not sure what's meant by that, but it sounds amazing. Yeah. So our encouragement to you is if you are backsliding and you are listening to this, Thank you for listening to it. I I don't know if we've pushed buttons or annoyed you intensely. Forgive us if we have. Um, If we've been ignorant or insensitive, we would love your feedback. We would genuinely love to know a better way of communicating to people who are further away from Jesus than they used to be. Because our goal is to help reach Christians for Christ. Yeah. If you're not backsliding, we don't want you to. These are some things we can actively do be doing to prevent ourselves arriving in a situation that could start the downward descent into backsliding. Yeah. And again, I mean, going back to your original question, it's really the only thing I find difficult about pastoring is watching people derail their lives. Sometimes it's a really slow process where we're meeting with them a number of times on their way down and they can't see they're on their way down. And by the time they're down there, they're just, it's too much effort to come back up or something, you know? And it's so painful. It's like, I'm not even an emotional person, but that's the stuff I cry about. All right, babe, that was supposed to be encouraging. I hope it was. 
Um, just for double measure that uh, encourages AJ, tell us something encouraging. How about this? Jesus is still on the throne. Yes. And he's way bigger than the devil. We're not fighting a losing battle or anything like that. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it is all good. God is good. And there's also prayer going on. I met people this weekend who get up at three (gasps) o'clock so that they can pray between four and five for the prodigals to come home. Oh, that's lovely. Well, it is lovely. But like one person I met, his name is Chris. He got up at 3.45 that morning, prayed from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. And then ran from 5 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. Wow. I was feeling good about the fact that I'd got out of bed and pulled pants on. <laughs> and at that well, point, I was like... I'm very proud of you, darling. Yeah, thank well you. Well done for wearing pants. Yeah, I, I did not feel like an overachiever that day. But my point is... You know, we're not in despair. We don't just throw up our hands and go, oh, no, but we can actually pray. Yeah. And And prayer is powerful. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that was helpful. I'm too tired to do any listeners' questions because I've taught all weekend and I've sat in a car for six hours and now I want to go to bed. I see you winking over there. Yeah, I know. That was my subtle wink. Yeah, it's very subtle. All right. So in wrapping up, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at... Uh, Alan and AJ, and that's A-L-Y-N and AJ, which is obviously two initials. Um, and if you would like the show notes from this episode, go ahead and head over to alanandaj.com slash 142. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that you have an amazing and blessed week, and we'll be back here next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone